Question 179 of Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on Gratuitous Graces. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on Gratuitous Graces, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 179. Of the division of life into active and contemplative. In two articles. We must next consider active and contemplative life. This consideration will be fourfold. 1. Of the division of life into active and contemplative. 2 of the contemplative life three of the active life four of the comparison between the active and the contemplative life under the first head there are two points of inquiry first whether life is fittingly divided into active and contemplative second whether this is an adequate division first article whether life is fittingly divided into active and contemplative. Objection 1. It would seem that life is not fittingly divided into active and contemplative. For the soul is the principle of life by its essence, since the philosopher says in On the Soul 2.4 that in living things to live is to be. Now the soul is the principle of action and contemplative by its powers. Therefore, it would seem that life is not fittingly divided into active and contemplative. Objection 2. Further, the division of that which comes afterwards is unfittingly applied to that which comes first. Now active and contemplative, or speculative and practical, are differences of the intellect, as said in On the Soul 3.10, while to live comes before to understand, since to live comes first to living things through the vegetative soul, as the philosopher states in On the Soul 2.4. Therefore, life is unfittingly divided into active and contemplative. Objection 3. Further, the word life implies movement, according to Dionysius, on the Divine Names 6, whereas contemplation consists rather in rest, according to Wisdom 8.16. When I enter into my house, I shall repose myself with her. Therefore, it would seem that life is unfittingly divided into active and contemplative on the contrary, Gregory says in his homily 14 on Ezekiel, There is a twofold life wherein Almighty God instructs us by his holy word, the active life and the contemplative. I answer that, properly speaking, those things are said to live whose movement or operation is from within themselves. Now that which is proper to a thing, and to which it is most inclined, is that 
which is most becoming to it from itself. Wherefore, every living thing gives proof of its life by that operation which is most proper to it, and to which it is most inclined. Thus the life of plants is said to consist in nourishment and generation, the life of animals in sensation and movement, and the life of men in their understanding and acting according to reason. Wherefore also, in men, the life of every man would seem to be that wherein he delights most, and on which he is most intent. Thus especially does he wish to associate with his friends, as stated in Ethics 9.12. Accordingly, since certain men are especially intent on the contemplation of truth, while others are especially intent on external actions, it follows that man's life is fittingly divided into active and contemplative. Reply to Objection 1. Each thing's proper form that makes it actually to be is properly that thing's principle of operation. Hence, to live is, in living things, to be, because living things through having being from their form, act in such and such a way. Reply to Objection 2. Life in general is not divided into active and contemplative, but the life of man, who derives his species from having an intellect, wherefore the same division applies to intellect in human life. Reply to Objection 3. It is true that contemplation enjoys rest from external movements. Nevertheless, to contemplate is itself a movement of the intellect, in so far as every operation is described as a movement, in which sense the philosopher says in On the Soul 3.7 that sensation and understanding are movements of a kind, in so far as movement is defined the act of a perfect thing. In this way Dionysius, in On the Divine Names 4, ascribes three movements to the soul in contemplation, namely, straight, circular, and oblique. Confer question 180, article 6. Second article, whether life is adequately divided into active and contemplative. Objection 1 it would seem that life is not adequately divided into active and contemplative. For the philosopher says in Ethics 1.5 that there are three most prominent kinds of life, the life of pleasure, the civil, which would seem to be the same as active, and the contemplative life. Therefore, the division of life into active and contemplative would seem to be inadequate. Objection to. Further, Augustine, on the City of God, 19, 1, 2, 3, and 19, mentions three kinds of life, namely, the life of leisure, which pertains to the contemplative, the busy life, which pertains to the active, and a third composed of both. Therefore, it would seem that life is inadequately divided into active and contemplative. Objection 3. Further, 
man's life is diversified according to the diverse actions in which men are occupied. Now there are more than two occupations of human actions. Therefore, it would seem that life should be divided into more kinds than the active and the contemplative. On the contrary, these two lives are signified by the two wives of Jacob, the active by Leah and the contemplative by Rachel, and by the two hostesses of our Lord, the contemplative life by Mary and the active life by Martha, as Gregory declares in his Commentary on Job 6.37, confer also homily 14 on Ezekiel. Now this signification would not be fitting if there were more than two lives. Therefore, life is adequately divided into active and contemplative. I answer that, as stated above in Article 1, Second Reply, this division applies to the human life as derived from the intellect. Now the intellect is divided into active and contemplative, since the end of intellective knowledge is either the knowledge itself of truth, which pertains to the contemplative intellect, or some external action, which pertains to the practical or active intellect. Therefore, life too is adequately divided into active and contemplative. Reply to Objection 1. The life of pleasure places its end in pleasures of the body, which are common to us and dumb animals. Wherefore, as the philosopher says in Ethics 1.5, it is the life of a beast. Hence, it is not included in this division of the life of a man into active and contemplative. Reply to Objection 2. A mean is a combination of extremes, wherefore it is virtually contained in them, as tepid in hot and cold, and pale in white and black. In like manner, active and contemplative comprise that which is composed of both. Nevertheless, as in every mixture, one of the simples predominates. So too, in the mean state of life, sometimes the contemplative, sometimes the active element abounds. Reply to Objection 3. All the occupations of human actions, if directed to the requirements of the present life in accord with right reason, belong to the active life which provides for the necessities of the present life by means of well-ordered activity. If, on the other hand, they minister to any concupiscence whatever, they belong to the life of pleasure, which is not comprised under the active life. Those human occupations that are directed to the consideration of truth belong to the contemplative life. End of question 179 Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.